Jacob. Let's uh, pray before we come to God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks so much that uh, you make known to us everything that we need to know for uh, life and godliness. And Lord, thank you that you've made these things known to us uh, about uh, what we have just read uh, in your word. Lord, we ask that you would prepare us for the future uh, and equip us uh, to know what it means to live for you in our present circumstances uh, and in whatever lies ahead. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, 2020 has been a, uh, a pretty crazy year. Uh, everything has really fallen uh, in a heap, hasn't it, in many ways. We've got through most of it. It's, it's only October. It feels, uh, I don't know, it feels like some other month or some other year, doesn't it? But every time I meet people uh, or, you know, re-meet them again uh, after however long it's been, uh, I, I keep asking really the same kind of question. And that question is, how have your plans changed this year? You know, what, what, what were you planning at the beginning of the year and how has that uh, been affected uh, by COVID and everything else? What were you planning to do that didn't work out? Maybe it was a holiday, uh, maybe it was uh, other things that you were uh, planning on doing. This year has shown us, I think, more than any other year that we can't really uh, plan, or we can plan, but we can't uh, make sure that what we plan will actually take place. We can't really be certain about what will happen. But there are two things that we discover in the Bible uh, that we can be absolutely 100% certain about, and that is death uh, and the future. Uh, Death comes to all of us. Uh, and, uh, sorry, not death in the future, death in the return of Christ. Uh, death comes to all of us and the return of Christ is coming as well. Uh, we will either die or we will see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us have probably uh, moved on already from the disappointments of this year. We've got on to planning about what next year is going to be. We're going to recapture that lost holiday. We're going to uh, get done all the things that we uh, meant to get done this year but didn't quite happen. We've moved on uh, to planning for next year, but the most important thing that we can plan for is not all the things that we've missed out on, but uh, the most important thing that we can plan for and prepare for is facing death uh, and facing the return of Jesus. And that's what we're looking at in this passage from 1 Thessalonians. Paul begins there by saying in verse 13 that he doesn't want the Thessalonians to be uninformed Uh, He doesn't want them to be ignorant. What is it that he doesn't want them to be ignorant about? Well, he says he doesn't want them to be ignorant or uninformed about those who sleep in death. And the reason for that is in verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He doesn't want them to be ignorant, to be uninformed, so that they don't grieve like everybody else, uh, those who have no hope. We don't grieve like that, Paul says, because, verse 14, because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Uh, why don't we grieve like the rest of the world? Uh, why don't we grieve as those without hope? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, Jesus is coming back and he will ra- when he comes back, he will raise to life all those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Jesus' resurrection is kind of a guarantee, a foretaste 
a stamp of approval assuring us of our own resurrection or the resurrection of those who have died in Christ. Elsewhere in the Bible, the language of the first fruits is used. And that language is kind of picking up on that, that idea that now, just as it's springtime and uh, the flowers, you see the first sort of flowers coming out on the trees. When you see those first flowers, you realize that a whole lot of other flowers will follow. Uh, you know that it's the beginning of springtime. It's a guarantee of what is to come. And in the same way, Jesus' resurrection is a guarantee of what is to come. It's the first flower, if you like, uh, of the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection uh, shows us What God can do, it guarantees what God will do. Uh, And Paul says, because of that, because Jesus has risen, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Uh, The language here that he uses uh, to describe death is significant as well. Uh, He says, believers are not simply, uh, are not dead, but they are simply asleep. Now, someone who is asleep can be woken up. if you fall asleep in the middle of the sermon, I can throw my Bible at you and, uh, and you'll wake up, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, if someone is asleep, they, they can wake up. We can speak to them and, we, uh, and they will wake up. We can nudge them gently and they will wake up. Uh, but somebody who is dead, when someone dies, it's not like that. I remember the first time that I saw uh, a dead body. In fact, it's the only time in my life I've seen a dead body. Um, we're so removed from death. Uh, in our society, and it wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties, it was my grandmother, she died, she was lying in hospital, um, and we went in to see her, and I remember as soon as I walked into into that room, I I knew she was dead, I mean I knew already, but I looked at her and I just thought, she is not asleep. Uh, I could have stood there and I could have have called her name, Uh, I could have nudged her, and she would not have woken up. Uh, For us, death and sleep are just vastly different. But for God, Paul says that death is like sleep. When God speaks, when he calls, people wake up. They come to life again. When he nudges, they respond. Uh, God can do what you and I cannot do. For us, death is death. It's final, it's ultimate, it's an end. For God, there's a morning. There's a time to wake up. There's a resurrection. When those uh, we know who have loved and trusted in Christ, when they die, we still grieve because uh, we, we have lost uh, their fellowship and their company for a time here on this earth. But we do not, the Bible tells us, we do not grieve without hope. We grieve knowing that we will see them again. Everyone who dies who has known the Lord Jesus Christ, who's trusted in him, will be raised to life again. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be raised uh, to life again. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, when he was 15 or 16, his mother passed away. Suddenly, unexpectedly, he came home from school uh, and his mother had passed away. Uh, Completely unexpected, she just collapsed uh, and died. And he said to me once, Carl, he said, sometimes I just think, just one more hug. Uh, Just one more conversation. Uh, And the great promise for him and for all of us who've trusted in 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the great promise is, the great hope is that we will see each other once again. That the dead in Christ will rise. There will be another hug, another conversation. More time together. We do not grieve. We grieve, yes, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. But for those who don't know Jesus and who don't know the hope of the resurrection that comes through him, there really is no hope. The situation really is hopeless. A number of years ago, I went to a funeral uh, of a, a young boy who had only been about 10 or 11. He'd passed away. Uh, and uh, he wasn't a believer, and his family weren't uh, believers. Uh, and the, the funeral was, was just hopeless. Uh, there was an opportunity to give thanks for uh, his life, but that was it. There was nothing beyond that. There was no future. There was only a past, a past that was already beginning to disappear. A past that was already beginning to be forgotten. For those who don't know Christ, there is no hope. But not only is death without Jesus and without the hope of the resurrection hopeless, it's actually worse than hopeless. Because if those people there at that funeral knew actually the reality of the judgment of God, if people at funerals uh, without, who died without Christ, if, if people saw the destiny of those who die without Christ, they wouldn't just be sad, but they would be inconsolable. The Bible here is talking only about believers. It's those, Paul says it's those who are dead in Christ. Only the dead in Christ will rise to life. That's because life in the gospel, comes through linking up with Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus. He shares that life with us. But those who die not having linked up with Christ, the Bible tells us will rise not to life, but to everlasting torment, to an eternity without God. So the non-Christian funeral is not only without hope, it's even worse than people realise. The husband of uh, somebody I know passed away recently and uh, as we were talking about that, she said to me, Carl, uh, the thing that I uh, am most uh, glad about is that he's no longer suffering. Uh, he wasn't a believer. He'd known the gospel earlier in life but had rejected it. We talked a number of times but he'd not um, uh, come to Christ but it sounded so wonderful, didn't it? She's not su he's not suffering anymore. Uh, and really the truth is, he's suffering worse than he was before. It's just I can't see it anymore. We can't see it. The suffering that we experience in this life is just a foretaste of the suffering that is in store for those who continue to refuse and to reject God. God in his mercy shows us, gives us a glimpse of what it means to be apart from God, separated from God, under the wrath of God. We taste a bit of that now. But the worst is yet to come for those who continue to refuse Christ. Uh, for those who are in Christ, we do not grieve 
as those without hope. But for those who are not in Christ, there is no hope except to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his mercy. If that's you, then turn to to Christ. If that's people you know, then let them know uh, the destiny that awaits those uh, who don't submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God tells us that we that those who die in the Lord can have this rock-solid confidence uh, that if they die, they will rise with Jesus uh, again. And in the next few verses, from verse uh, 15 to 17, Paul explains just how that resurrection will take place. There's not many places in the Bible where we get to find out about what the return of Jesus will look like, but here in Thessalonians is one of the places where we get a vision of that. And Paul says four things really about the return of Christ. He says, first of all, that Jesus will come down from heaven, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, He calls Jesus the Lord, that is, that's the Old Testament name of God. So he says God in the person of Jesus is coming uh, back to us. Uh, And that return of Jesus, that coming down of Jesus, will be very noticeable. Uh, It will be accompanied by a loud command, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet call of God. This return of Jesus will be cataclysmic. Uh, It will be obvious. Uh, You won't be able to miss it. Second, he says that those who are already dead in Christ will rise first. He says that in the verse that we just read, verse 16, he says something similar in verse 15, he says that um, those who are still alive when Jesus returns will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Uh, You might sort of wonder, why is Paul making such a point of that? Why does he want us to know that those who have died uh, already will be raised first? Uh, It may be simply that the Thessalonians, uh, some of them feared that because their brothers and sisters in Christ had already died, that they would miss out on the return of Jesus. Uh, You know, they might be kind of swept up along with the new creation eventually, but they wouldn't actually get to experience the the grandeur and the glory of the return of Christ. But Paul says, no, far from them missing out, they will actually be raised first. They'll have this prominent place. Why will they be uh, more prominent? Uh, Why will they have this kind of particular honour? Well, it may simply be that they have gone further in the road of discipleship in following Jesus than those who are still alive. Those who have died have followed Jesus really unto death, whereas those who are still alive when Jesus returns have not experienced that. And so perhaps on account of that, they receive this special honour of being raised first. But the point is they're not going to miss out. All believers, whether they're dead, whether they're still alive, will be present uh, when uh, Jesus returns. Third, Paul says that those who are still alive will be caught up together with Jesus in the air. So verse 17, he says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, that description of being caught up in the air is sometimes described using the language of rapture. Rapture sort of means being taken up uh, kind of thing. Uh, And this is the only place in the Bible where this idea is is mentioned. 
this idea of being gathered up to, to Christ in the air. Now, there's a view of the, of the end times and the return of Christ that you might have come across uh, that makes a big deal of this idea uh, and really goes a lot further than just what this passage says and really goes a lot further than what the Bible says. Uh, and it's part of a system, that, it's a complicated system that has a complicated name uh, and that name is dispensational premillennialism. I can't even say it dispensational premillennialism, which took me about 15 years to work out what it meant. But anyway, uh, but in that scheme, uh, it's been around for a bit, of a, a bit over 100 years, it became famous because of uh, a study Bible called the Schofield Reference Bible. Uh, it became quite a prominent view in America. It's not so prominent in Australia, but still exists. Uh, but in that view... Uh, which has also been popularised by the left-behind books and videos, in that view, the rapture is not the kind of of end-of-the-world cataclysm that Paul describes here, the kind of obvious uh, return of Jesus that is accompanied by the trumpet call and the voice of the archangel. Uh, The rapture in that particular um, view is a secret event where suddenly all Christians are kind of taken away and a whole lot of people are left behind. So, uh, you know, however many of us, Jesus raptures however many of us up to be with him and then a whole lot of people who are not believers are left behind. Uh, And it's also followed oddly, kind of oddly by the reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the reinstitution of the temple sacrifices. Uh, And it's it's quite a complicated system. There's, There's really not much, it well, yeah, to be honest, actually, there's really not anything in the Bible that uh, establishes any of those positions. Uh, the only thing is this, uh, really, this short passage here in Thessalonians. But Paul is not talking about a secret rapture where some people are left behind. He's talking about, uh, he's talking about this world-ending moment where Jesus returns. His people are gathered to himself. And not only are the people gathered to Jesus, they're not gathered and taken away back to heaven, but they're gathered and brought back to earth, uh, to, uh, to the new creation. So the language that is used here, the term that's used here is um, of the people being caught up to Jesus and then coming back, is, is the term that was used to describe, uh, if you like, a delegation from a city going to meet a, a, a visiting um, dignitary. You know, so the king comes and the people from the city, they go out to meet him and they don't go out to meet him and then leave to go back where the king came from, but they bring the king with them back into the city. That's the kind of the language which is being used here to describe uh, the people being caught up to Jesus in the air. They're caught up with Jesus and descend with Jesus uh, as Jesus um, takes up his rule over a renewed uh, creation. So, uh, fourth then, Paul says, uh, uh, so we'll be raised up to to Christ, come back to earth, fourth, a renewed creation, fourth, Paul says that we will be with the Lord forever. So, we need to remember that the great goal of resurrection is not simply to go on living forever in and of itself, but the great goal of resurrection is that we might be raised forever and to live with God forever. That is our great hope, the great problem with the world is that we are separated from God and the great hope of the uh, of the return of Christ is that God again comes to dwell 
with his people. Now, why is that important? Why is it important to understand that? Well, the Bible tells us what we are to, why it's important for us to, to know that and uh, what we are to do with that information. Uh, God tells us in verse 18, he says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What does that mean? Well, it means we need to keep reminding and encouraging each other with these truths, with this central truth that Jesus is coming back. We need to keep reminding and encouraging each other that Jesus is coming back to gather his people. He's not left us here. He will not leave us here forever. He will not leave us to rot in the ground. He is coming back to gather his people. We need to remind and encourage each other that the dead in Christ will rise. Uh, We need to keep reminding each other of those things so that we don't become discouraged and weighed down by grief. You know, we can be so so discouraged and and put down by the, the, the grief that we have for those that we've lost. But we need to encourage each other, reminding each other that the dead in Christ will rise. Those who are asleep will wake up. Uh, We need to keep uh, encouraging each other and reminding each other that Christ will return because when we look at the world, when we look at places like the USA or uh, the world kind of falling apart with COVID or whatever else it is, uh, we need to remind each other that Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back to reign. Uh, We need to keep reminding each other that Christ is coming back as well, encouraging each other to remember that so that we don't become fixated uh, on this life. Uh, I, I admitted this morning, uh, in, the, in the service this morning, uh, it's a bit embarrassing, but um, I've developed an addiction, uh, and that addiction is gardening. Uh, I don't know what has happened. Uh, I, <laughs> it started off with one plant, and, and <laughs> barely a day goes by when I don't think to myself, just... One more plant. I think I could squeeze one in just this morning. I woke up and I was thinking, maybe I, I wonder how I can get more garden space. Uh, <laughs> I've just, I've, I've, I've lost the plot. You know, and, and it is a wonderful gift, isn't it, to, to plant things and to watch them die and to replant other things in their place. Uh, it's a great gift of God. But, but, but we have to remember, I have to remember, we all have to remember, don't we, that that this garden is not forever. This life is not forever. That Christ is coming back. So we enjoy those things. We receive the good gifts. But so often we can live as though that will be there forever. Uh, You know, we think that we will live to see the, the plants that we planted grow to whatever it is. Uh, you know, to, to, to see ourselves achieve the goals that we have in our minds. But we need to keep encouraging and reminding each other that Christ is coming back. And so we need to travel lightly and to sit loose uh, to this world. What does that mean? Well, it means really that we need to keep saying to each other, brother, sister, Jesus is coming back. When someone dies, when we lose a loved one in Christ, we need to remind each other, brother, sister, the Lord is coming back. He's coming back to gather his people. When we get too caught up in this world, we need to say to each other, brother, sister, the Lord is coming back. 
Don't build for eternity here. The Lord is coming back. We need to encourage each other with these words. So we don't grieve as those without hope. Those who are dead in Christ will rise again when Jesus uh, comes to judge the living and the dead, to gather his people. Finally then, what will that, when will that be? When will Jesus return? And how do we live in the meantime as we wait for that? That's the last thing that we're going to think about this afternoon. And that's the thing that Paul addresses in those verses from chapter 5. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When will Jesus return? Well, the answer is we don't know. If someone says to you, I know when Jesus is going to return, you know that that is a lie. (laughs) You could be absolutely confident they have no idea. Paul quotes from Jesus who says that the return, Jesus' return, will, like, will be like a thief in the night. That is, a thief doesn't call you, he doesn't drop a letter in the letterbox to let you know when he's coming. When the council burned off some stuff recently in the bush behind my house, about 12 months before they were going to do it, they sent me a letter with a diagram telling me that they were going to burn off this, uh, you know, this uh, bushland in the next few months. Thieves don't do that. It just happens without... They just break in when you're not expecting it. So too, Paul says that the return of Jesus is like a woman going into labour. I think my worst nightmare would be to be pregnant, you know? Not only because... (laughs) No offence, Ange. Not only because it would be weird because I'm a man, but I just couldn't cope with the lack of appointment, you know? (laughs) You just don't know, unless you have a cesarean, you just do not know when it is. I could not live with that uncertainty. But Paul says that's what the return of Jesus is going to be like. You don't know when it's going to come, you just know that it's coming, and all of a sudden, it happens. Paul says that people will just be getting on with their lives, thinking everything's okay, when suddenly Jesus returns. Peace and safety, they're saying, when destruction will suddenly come on them. Again, Paul is paraphrasing something that Jesus said. Jesus said that people will be marrying and being given in marriage and going about their business, doing all the everyday things, and suddenly Jesus will return and demand that people give an account. Jesus could return today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, the next 10 years and 100 years. Who knows? We don't know when he will return, but whenever he comes, we need to be prepared for that. Well, if that's the case, if we need to be prepared and we don't know the time, how do we uh, prepare ourselves? Well, that's what Paul says in uh, verses 4 to 11. He says, first of all, we should be awake and sober rather than drunk and asleep. We should be awake and sober, sober rather than drunk and asleep. That is, metaphorically speaking, people who are awake are alert. Well, generally speaking, anyway, that's the idea. People who are awake are alert, uh, and people who are sober are alert. People who are sober, that is, not drunk, can respond, whereas people who are drunk can't respond. Uh, They can't adjust to the circumstances. Uh, They're sort of not really aware of what's going on. People who are asleep... uh, 
are utterly unprepared and utterly unaware of what is going on around them. And people can be like that with respect to the return of Jesus. People can be asleep, completely oblivious, distracted. Paul says we need to be awake and alert. Uh, We need to constantly have in our minds that Christ is coming back. Uh, And I think that means we need to be doing that every day. You know, we need to be praying every day as we begin the day, Lord, help me to be prepared for your return. It's something, we need to live on the edge of that possibility. Uh, and we need to keep reminding each other to stay alert as well. Paul says again in verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up with, with these kinds of ideas. Uh, it's hard to stay awake through the night if... Uh, you're the only one. Uh, You shouldn't do this, but you may have done it. You may have been driving home late at night. It's hard to stay awake if you're driving in the car on your own late at night. But if there are other people there, it's easier to stay awake, isn't it? Because when you start to veer off the road, they can say, you idiot, what are you doing? Wake up! We need each other to... Stay awake and to be alert. Brother, sister, the Lord is coming back. First, we need to be alert. Second, we need to be equipped. Paul uses the imagery of putting on armour. He says in verse 8, Since we belong to the day, that is the day of Christ's return, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. I don't think it matters that uh, faith and love are a breastplate and... Salvation is a helmet. It's not about which bit goes where. Uh, It's about this idea that we need to prepare ourselves, to defend ourselves, to be equipped by putting on these things, faith and love and hope. Uh, We need faith and trust so that we don't believe the lies of Satan or the lies of our own heart or the lies of the world. We need to trust in God's word so that we keep Uh, on the right track so that we persevere to the end. We need to trust God when he says, I won't leave you, I won't forsake you. We need to trust God when he says that he will return to gather the living uh, and the dead. Uh, We need to trust God uh, so that we can be prepared for the return of Christ. Uh, But as well as faith or trust, we need love. Uh, The most important kind of love that the Bible tells us about is love for God. Uh, We need not only to trust God, trusting God uh, and having faith in God will keep us on the right way, if you like, but love will kind of propel us along that way. We need to enjoy God and delight in God and, uh, and, 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 and love Him. Love will motivate us to keep pursuing God amid the distractions of the world. We need faith or trust, we need love, and finally, we need hope. We need hope to keep us going when things are difficult. Uh, The most difficult situation to be in is in a situation where there is no hope. But the Bible says that we have a hope, and the hope that the Bible talks about is not hope as in a wish. I hope it's, it uh, doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope that it's a nice day. That's not the kind of hope that the Bible is talking about. The hope that the Bible is talking about is, uh, is a kind of a sure and certain hope. 
Uh, a bit like we might say, in the middle of winter, we might say, we talk about the hope of spring. We know that once winter ends and winter will end, we know that spring will come. You don't get to the end of winter and suddenly it's autumn again. You get to the end of winter and it's springtime. And that's the kind of hope that the Bible is talking about. We have this hope that the winter, the present winter that we live in now will pass away and the spring will come. Life will come. Resurrection will come. The Lord Jesus will return. We need to arm ourselves with that kind of hope. The times that we live in now might be dark, they might be difficult, they might be distressing, but we need to remember this sure and certain hope that Jesus is coming back, that the winter in which we live will pass, that the flowers will come out, that life uh, will break out uh, through the return of Jesus to gather his people to himself. That faith and that hope and that love are not things that we generate in ourselves, but they are gifts of the Spirit that we seek from God and by seeking them we equip ourselves to be prepared for the return of Jesus. Well, death and resurrection, uh, death and the return of Jesus uh, are coming uh, for all of us and we don't know when, but we don't need to know when they're coming. We just need to be prepared uh, and the way that we prepare ourselves is by trusting in Jesus, loving God, and remaining in the steadfast hope of Jesus uh, to the very end. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you that death is not an end, uh, that Death is not an end for you. Uh, that those who have died in Christ but sleep. Uh, and the day will come when you will speak words and those uh, who have died in Christ will be raised to life and all your people will be gathered to you uh, in the air and will descend with you uh, to this world, renewed, remade, recreated. Uh, an eternal place free from sin uh, and death and judgment. Lord, we uh, thank you for that hope and we pray that you would help us to arm and equip ourselves uh, with that hope and with trust in those things and with love for you who is bringing them about. Lord, we pray uh, particularly this afternoon for those who have lost uh, loved ones in Christ. Lord, we thank you that that is not an end, but we will see them again. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would help, help, us, help us to uh, encourage each other with those words. And Lord, we pray too that you would help us to speak uh, the truth of the hopelessness of life apart from Christ. Help, help us to speak the truth of that into the lives of those around us, Lord, so that others might come to know the great hope that we have, uh, which is in Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, encourage us and strengthen us, we pray to that end. Uh, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.